Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Good morning, Vietnam! Welcome to the jungle, baby. Welcome to the jungle. Welcome to Two Dudes Movie Reviews. Mara, the meatloaf! You see what happens, Larry? How to get burned! How to get burned! How to get burned! They've done studies, you know. 60% of the time, it works every time. I am loving this. You are tearing me apart, Lisa! Come with me if you want to live. Gentlemen, you have my curiosity, but now you have my attention. Now, here's your hosts, Sky and Colin. Here's Johnny! Hey, movie streamers. You're listening to Two Dudes Movie Reviews with Sky and Colin. And guess what the fuck we're doing? What are we doing? We're doing the much debated Netflix original movie. I think people know that, though. They saw the uh, the title. <laughs> yeah, but maybe, just maybe, they don't know our stances on Netflix as cinema. Oh, yeah, because this is something. All right. Obviously, this year has been very weird. Obviously. <laughs> I yeah. was going to say, do I need to explain this? <laughs> yeah, you do know, we need because to go into of it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's been strange. So at the beginning of the year, when things were slightly less strange, we kind of set up new standards so that we wouldn't be bombarded with streaming movies. And we also did not throw down a gauntlet to try and see the most movies out of the two of us, you know? Yeah. So we kind of said early on, we were like, yeah, we're not doing Netflix movies this year unless it's like, you know, Oscar stuff, like towards the end of the year. Like obviously when we had the Irishman and marriage story, those were, those are heavy contenders for a lot of awards. So it makes sense to watch those. But now look at us, look at fucking us. Last week, we did a, a trailer park on a Hulu movie. Now, this week, we're reviewing a Netflix movie. And then, I mean, didn't we do a Netflix? Yeah, we did The Lovebirds. That was Netflix. I think this and The Lovebirds fall into the same category, though. Do they, though? Because we talked about in the trailer park for Duh Five Bloods, which is today's episode, in case you can't read because you're a stupid fucking swampy. <laughs> we talked about in that trailer park. This seems like it might have... I'm more convinced now that this movie might have been destined for Netflix even without Corona. But with The Lovebirds, that only went to Netflix after it couldn't get its theatrical release. But it was planned for theaters. This this movie, I know, though, was also planned for theaters. Yeah, but was it only planned in like that you know limited release, like we'll show it for a couple of weeks at a couple of theaters type thing? Or was this supposed to get a full wide release? See, I'm not sure, but I know for a fact that it was going to hit theaters because uh, they wanted it eligible for Academy Awards. So I, I don't know if, if this was a thing where they had a limited thing set up and they just weren't sure if they could ever get a full thing going because of the virus or what. And then they decided to put it on Netflix. But I don't know. I, I, I don't put this in the same category as a Netflix, a Netflix original that that. Those two words next to each other have a very negative connotation to me because I think of all the bad movies I watched last year that were Netflix originals. So 
I don't I don't know. This, yeah. this seems much different than than one of those types of movies. I mean, I would put this in the same block as The Irishman and The Two Popes and Marriage Story and stuff, which I mean, I don't think we considered Marriage Story like a Netflix movie, you know. No. That movie is a goddamn masterpiece. Yeah, so yeah, th- this was this had high hopes because I know they were planning a uh, limited release at the very least, so they could be eligible for Oscars. Okay, that's fair, and we talked about that before because we got this is a Spike Lee joint. Spike Lee joints are not something to just be kind of uh, passed by. It's it's a moment, you know. It's it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. He's he is a director who has really mastered his craft and we're going to talk all about this movie, obviously, but we can't just start talking about the movie in the first five minutes of the goddamn episode. Yeah. We don't do that ever since like our second episode. Yeah, exactly. Wait, did we do that in our second episode? I see. I guess a little bit of announcement. We're on YouTube now. Oh yeah. Yeah. Slowly. All of our episodes are going to be rolling out on YouTube. Uh, The first few are up right now when this will release. And I think they look pretty cool. They came out awesome, dude. You did a really good job. Yeah, I think. I mean, obviously, we want people to listen on Spotify, iTunes, because that's where that's where the show is. That's what we make it for. And, you know, with all our the the downloads and all all that's very important for us growing the show. So I think YouTube is going to be a secondary way you can watch or listen to the show. Um, but we wanted to expand a little bit, so did some graphics and stuff, and I I think it looks really cool. Um, I'm excited to get more up, but in doing so, I'm listening to old episodes. So I listened to Creed, and I listened to Spider Verse, and maybe it's just the the way we structured that Spider Verse episode. But it's literally like, and you know, with Sky and Colin, and now we're yeah. gonna rank all the Spider Man yeah, movies. <laughs> oh. oh. There's no, there's oh, no, yeah. there's no banter to it. And it's like, want to get into this? Yeah, let's get into it. Number eight. <laughs> and I'm like, what the? F-? <laughs> oh man, that's interesting. I feel like we've come a long way. We, we now have a name to call the people who listen to this show. The intro that I made has Swampy in it. So it's, it's kind of funny because the intro says like, enjoy the show Swampies. But Swampies isn't introduced until like the twentieth episode or whatever. So if someone actually Damn. like starts watching the show like on YouTube and they start with episode one and they go through, they're gonna be like, "Why do they say Swampies? Like, it's <laughs> what is this?" And then they'll eventually I, hit it. I feel like in the video it should start with a disclaimer like, "You are about to watch episode one, but you probably shouldn't. You should just skip ahead to episode thirteen when it starts to get real good." Yeah. <laughs> But uh, they like will get 13. It's like, if you've made it this far, congratulations. <laughs> you have passed. But that's a common thing because I, I there's a lot of TV shows that for me, I had to listen to like, a, or pff, I had to watch like a whole season and even that first season be like, I'm still not into it, but I'm going to keep pushing because I heard season two, it gets, it gets good. So if you look at those first like dozen episodes of ours, that's our season one. We're just getting our... Getting our feet wet. Yeah. Getting our fucking our drip on. I, I actually think you told me that's exactly how it is for Trailer Park Boys. Yeah, Trailer Park Boys, I don't know. Tra- Trailer Park Boys is pretty funny, but the production value is so low in the first season that that can be deterrent. And it's not nearly as funny as like maybe like season three, four, or five. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've never watched Trailer Park Boys. Dude, it took me like three tries to get into Breaking Bad. And Breaking Bad is a great show. And I'm glad that I got past it. 
And the first season's really not bad in that. It just wasn't grabbing me. Same thing with Sons of Anarchy. I actually got the itch to go back and watch Breaking Bad on my drive back from being home last weekend. I was coming back and I had like music on shuffle on Spotify and this one song came up and all of the lyrics in the song were Breaking Bad quotes and Brandon actually pointed out to me because there's like a line that where it's like, I'm not in danger. I am the danger. I am the one who knocks. And Brandon was like, they're quoting Breaking Bad. And then we just started talking about Breaking Bad. I'm like, oh, it's so fucking good. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. What band is that? Uh, It was like Knockout Kid or something like that. So I've, oh, I don't know. Them. It was on Shuffle. Yeah, I think it's called Knockout. Oh, okay, Kid, but that's probably the only song I've ever heard by them. There is a band called None More Black. I know that band. Oh, yeah. So None More Black is a reference to This Is Spinal Tap, the movie. Mm-hmm. And their first full length album, every song on the album is titled uh, after a title of a Seinfeld episode. <laughs> That's awesome. I like I like bands that that hide like movie references or whatever, either in the titles or in the the lyrics in the song. I, at least me being a movie person, I always I'm always entertained by it. Yeah. See, my old band, the old band that you weren't in, but we used to play shows together in our old bands. Uh, we were huge proponents on using sound clips from movies in front of like almost every song on our CD. Like our first EP is only six songs, and there are four sound clips on it. <laughs> Like we just went, we just went heavy on it, but that one actually three of them were from TV shows. Only one of them was from a movie, but then when we did our full length album, they were like all from movies. Yeah. (laughs) We never did that. We should have done that. You should have done that. We should have done that when we had our band, but we only recorded two songs and I honestly, I don't know where they went. I don't have those recordings. I have them. I think the one is near useless. <laughs> well, send it to me. I still want to hear it. Okay. Because I I thought I did pretty good on it. <laughs> yeah. My, my fucking guitar shredding. <laughs> yeah. Like I've, I was fucking killing it. I was, just, I was on fire that day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you were, bro. I would love to get the recording that we did that none of us had even heard. Yeah. I never heard un- that one unproduced versions of it yeah that was that was a i'm not even gonna get started on it that was annoying (laughs) that was a huge waste of time yeah yeah. i'm like come on i i don't even care if it sounded like crap i would have just liked to have heard it um because we like i I even told the uh the professor because we recorded all right so colin and i used to be in a band blah 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 we talked about it on the show before and we recorded a song at a college, in a studio at a college uh, to help out um, a, a, a mutual friend, I guess, of of the band. Yeah. Because uh, it was for, like, a class project. And I was talking to the teacher, and the teacher's, like, a younger guy. I say younger guy, but, like, I was also older than, like, all the kids in this class for the <laughs> most part, too. Like, we both were. I was talking to him, and I was just like, hey, even if these kids, like, suck at editing the the song or whatever and they can't produce it can you send me the tracks so that i can do it at the very least because i know how to i could do it yeah but i don't even have the fucking raw tracks yeah i think they're probably in the ether now <laughs> that bums me out so hard that was the, that was the only song i wrote for that band really it was a sick song too it was really catchy thanks 
This is the second time I've recorded that song with a band and it never gets released because it was originally going to be a more faster song. I've had that song written for like fucking 10 years. I'm going to text Johnny and see if he can get uh get a, a hold of that in any capacity, regardless of quality. <laughs> Dude, yeah, do that and tell him to send it to me and he could address it to the trailer park. Wow. Oh, you know what? That I'm I'm shook now because that I the last few weeks I've expected it. I felt it coming. It was very predictable. It was like the lovebirds, you know. I was like, you know, he, come on, he's got to do better. That was crazy. I shook Good. myself. <laughs> I got you. Yeah. <laughs> I shit out of my butt. Obviously. <laughs> what do you mean? I, I was gonna say I threw up out of my butt, but then I just said I shit out of my butt. It's like, yeah. Wait, you shit out of your butt? Bro, what? What's going Fucking on? Fucking weirdo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, what have man. I? What have I been doing with my ears this whole time? Damn. Imagine that. That would just. That's crazy. Also, that messy. That be messy. Yeah. <laughs> you've been to my. You've been to my place. You never wondered why the toilet was so high, like it's elevated on the wall, like eye level. <laughs> I never thought about it. You know, you should have thought about it. <laughs> all you I did think about it all the way to the trailer park. Two times. We're making up. We're making up for the lack of content recently. <laughs> yeah. The the lack of, of substance. Yeah. But man, what are we, what are we talking today though? I'm going to be honest with you. I remember the trailer we're talking about. But for the life of me, I cannot remember the name of this movie. Well, I'll tell you the name because the name is long and stupid. Oh, much like me and my penis. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> long and stupid. Yeah, I got a real dumb dick. <laughs> We're talking Eurovision Song Contest, colon, the story of Fire Saga. <laughs> of course. How could I forget? Now, Colin, what makes this movie so special to us? Well, I'll give you a couple layers here. This movie is relevant to the movie we're about to talk to because this is a Netflix movie and we're talking about a Netflix movie, even though I just said about 20 minutes ago that I was not counting Defy Bloods as a Netflix movie. So there's the tie that I don't believe in. Now, the other tie is that <laughs> <laughs> this is a Will Ferrell movie and we have not done a Will Ferrell movie since we roasted Holmes and Watson and made it the worst movie of 2018. <laughs> That's right. And that was only like episode three or four of our show. And we were already like, man, this was bad. This show came out right at the right time. But this isn't the first Will Ferrell movie of the Double Deuce because he was in Downhill, which was my first F of 2020. Yeah, see, I, I haven't seen that. I don't know if I'm going to, but... uh. Yeah. <laughs> That's why you, I don't know, man. I don't know if it could be worse than Fantasy Island, but you, that's one of the movies that you suffered through. Suffer indeed. Suffer indeed. Oh, dude. There's something I really wanted to talk about in this episode. Maybe we can, maybe we can, I'm just going to say right now. The, again, Netflix, it ties in. Netflix has a new show out called Floor is Lava. You seen this? Oh, Okay. Damn, now I regret throwing to the trailer park. <laughs> I'm just going to keep going. 
that just got us out of the trailer park so that we can talk about this other thing before we go back to the trailer yeah, park. Yeah, that's how it's... Snip, snap, snip, snap. <laughs> yeah. Snip, snap, snip. Snip, snap, snip. You have no idea the toll that three vasectomies has on a person. Yeah. Three vasectomies. <laughs> yes. So, full disclosure, Colin and I finished watching The Five Bloods less than an hour before we're recording this episode. Like, we... We had to cram it in, but I finished it a little while before you. So I actually watched an episode and a half before we started recording. Dope. Yeah, because we were talking last night, I think. And I was like, hey, if you if you have time, watch just even like portion of an episode because I want to talk about it. Yeah. So they got this new show just to start off. It's not even called The Floor is Lava. It's just called Floor is Lava. (laughs) So, so cool. But the the commentator in that show reminds me so much of your character from the, the bracket and there's one por- point where he said indeed in the, like the commentary i don't it's one of the first three episodes but me and brandon lost it and we just went indeed <laughs> <laughs> i'm going to bring that guy back that guy is so good also everybody on that show is over the top even the contestants um, i'm sure they're told to do that or they're fed cocaine before they go out there. <laughs> but in the first episode, there's these fucking triplets. They're just like these yoked out dudes in American flag tank tops. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Hated them. Oh, yeah. I, it was funny because I watched that the first three episodes in like one sitting. And then that night I was on Xbox uh, with my brother and he was like, I'm going to get off. He's like, but I think I'm going to put on an episode of Flores Lava and like, I'll just talk to you while it's going on. So like we were still talking to each other and I could tell what moments he was at, but those people showed up and he was just like, Oh my God, those tank tops are so fucking whack. <laughs> I was like, Oh dude, everything the about them was so whack. Yeah. It is so cringy to watch people try really hard to be funny. Yeah, I know. And that's like, I don't know if I can keep watching the show. It it hurts my brain so much because like everybody and they're just like regular Joes, but like everybody comes out and like tries so hard to be funny and it's like, leave it to the professionals. (laughs) Just do your fucking obstacle course. Try to win your money or whatever the fucking prize is. That's what I love about the the show too. Fucking quips. Well, we were talking about another show because you ever watch hole in the wall. (laughs) Is that the one where like the wall is moving towards them and then you got to like jump through it? It's, yeah, the, the, the wall is moving towards you. You have to slip your penis through it. <laughs> no. Oh, I play that game all the time. The time. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm, but, I'm just sitting there just waving it around like, oh, which way is it going? Which way is it going? <laughs> yeah, no. It, hole in the wall is the one that oh, was on, I like, bent my dick in half. <laughs> that's the way that's Mis- the way you'd react to your dick being. Oh, man. <laughs> Shucks. Oh, man. Gonna have to snap that back into place. Um. Uh, yeah, that's hole, hole in the wall is the one where the wall comes towards you. Have to go through it. We were talking about this hole in the wall though. Like the the shows feel very similar in stupidity. Hole in the wall had no prize at all, other than the fact that like, hey, we'll put like the winners up on like our wall of fame type thing. At least this has Lame. a cash prize. But I love that they're like, it's a ten thousand dollars cash prize and a lava lamp. <laughs> yeah, that's where the real money's at. They don't make those anymore. Yeah, it's crazy. But um, lava lamp indeed. <laughs> the thing that I want to tell you though, the best way to watch that show, me and my brother found out, 
is to replace. <laughs> well, that too, but replace the word lava with cum. <laughs> oh, I'm already there, bro. <laughs> so, me and Bram were watching it, and we're just like, "Oh no, Nathaniel's about to go head first into some sticky icky." <laughs> <laughs> You know the rules. Anything is good to go. Nothing is off limits. You can use whatever's in the room to get across. You got to beat the other people's time and don't fall in the goo. <laughs> yeah, it's a, and remember, the floor is jizz. <laughs> <laughs> Machine Gun Kelly in the floor is jizz. <laughs> oh my gosh. This is a seven foot vert. Nathaniel's going to have to jump really far if he's going to want to land in that cum dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that about my mother. Oh, but but yeah. Oh, literally like we, we got on this rant and we were just started replacing everything with semen basically and we were losing it. There you go. You know, I was actually doing a very similar thing except with my refrigerator. Okay. I just started going in there and replacing everything with semen. <laughs> just bottles of semen. Yeah, you should come over for dinner sometime. <laughs> you know what? That'd be nice. A, a, a dinner. made from, a, a candlelit dinner. <laughs> Ooh, a candlelit dinner in the trailer park. And oh, we're back. We're, we are back, yeah. That one person who loves that jingle is just losing their shit. Uh, yeah, that person is me because that jingle is awesome. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, now like 19 times, <laughs> but now we're getting back to it. So we've already explained the time. We've already explained the movie. We're doing Eurovision Song Contest, the story of Fire Saga. And full disclosure, I haven't watched this. You sent it to me. You said, watch it. I saw that it was a Will Ferrell movie. I ignored it and I went back to my life. <laughs> so as most people probably would. Yeah. So but you have seen it, right? I have seen it. I watched this whole trailer. Oh, wow. You got through the whole thing. It's three minutes long. I think I've watched it twice now because I, I think I watched it when it first dropped and then I watched it again when I sent it to you. I The trailer's three minutes long. I think that that might actually be the second longest trailer behind the Hobbs and Shaw trailer, which was like four minutes long. <laughs> no, I think you're thinking of uh, Fast and Furious 9. Ooh, yeah. No, you're right. It was Fast and Furious 9. Yeah. Because that's the one that with, was the, a long with, the, one. with the helicopter. Yeah. yeah. But it needed to be long because we needed to understand that John Cena is Vin Diesel's brother <laughs> and they're basically equally matched <laughs> and they're a family. But it's weird because Dom has always talked about his family, but it's been like his street bros. But now it's his actual bro. But his bro wants to kill his bro, who is Vin Diesel playing Dom. What the fuck might happen? I don't know. Probably some high-octane shenanigans that nobody ever should give a fuck about. But guess what? We're all going to see it and give him every goddamn dollar we have because The Rock is here! <laughs> Can you smell it? What the rock is cooking? <laughs> bow, bow, now, bow, bow, now, now, now. Listen, I could talk, I could do wrestling bits all day. But do you, do you want to watch this trailer with me? I I don't think I do, but I will. It's it's 
part of my job now. <laughs> yes. You have an obligation. Ever since we were children, we've had one dream. Winning the Eurovision Song Contest. All right, everyone. I am Lars. This is Secret. We are Fire Saga. I will say this. I, I love Rachel McAdams. Yeah, she's good. Never, never really had a problem with her. And I used to like some Will Ferrell stuff. Also, fun fact, this Eurovision Song Contest is a real thing. Oh, really? Yeah. But the United States doesn't really participate in it because Eurovision. Okay. Officially, Fire Saga will be But apparently it's taken very seriously in Europe. I hate them. Absolutely terrible. They're old, disgusting people. But we have no choice. So we're in. Yep. 42 countries. Hundreds of performers. I know you're a Wedding Crashers fan. I am a Wedding Crashers fan. This is Eurovision. Wow. You have to watch that guy. He is a sex player. Hey, looking good. Secret, very beautiful voice. Thank you. We are a duo that will never be separated. George Michael said something about other Wham guy. <laughs> no one even knows his name. Andrew Ridgely. Like his best. <laughs> you have to stay focused. We yeah. have to win. I'll get you one just like doing? it. I hope so. I want my ding dong to look bigger than what is really there. Yeah. I could do a camel. Do a classic camel. It's never out of style. Yeah. This is it. We have to prove to Iceland and my extremely handsome father that my life hasn't been a waste. Wait, who, who is his dad? That is Pierce Brosnan. I thought it was. Yeah. That is a James Bond. Yikes. For both of us. Yeah. Now, this is the part of the trailer where that three-minute runtime on it really is felt because it's like this trailer has three acts. Firesaga are not giving up. Tonight is our night. I'm not saying much, mainly because I don't have much to say. <laughs> Huh. <laughs> huh is the best reaction you can have to a trailer. Um Okay. Is this on our schedule to review? I guess that depends on <laughs> many a things, like how many other movies are coming out and how accessible they are and how badly we want to talk about a new Will Ferrell movie. Because <laughs> there isn't a ton coming out. I think we were talking about penciling this in. Like, I completely forgot the name of this movie. I just remember like, oh, yeah, what we're doing after the Defy Bloods is either like a recommend or that new Will Ferrell movie. And now I finally saw it and... I'm I'm just going to say this. I don't think that that is going to have a passing grade on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, really? Don't. I don't. That Okay. Don't, well, I'm going to say that I am not surprised. <laughs> okay. 
the the hard thing about a Will Ferrell movie is somewhere in my brain is telling me like, yeah, he's been in a lot of shit, especially lately, but he can be funny. Like I've seen him be funny before, but then there's always that thing of like, uh, maybe if I go into this thinking like it's going to be the worst movie ever, even if it's still an F, but it's not the worst. Maybe I'll enjoy it enough that it'll trick me into thinking it's a D minus, you know? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Wedding Crashers. David Dobkin is—he was the director on on a uh, Wedding Crashers. I love Wedding Crashers, and he's the director on this. But I mean, he really hasn't done anything that's like very good besides that. Like, I mean, maybe stuff earlier, yeah. but like Fred Claus, he was part of, and I'm pretty sure he was. Oh, a you're producer. gonna take shots at Fred Claus now? Oh, you, okay, okay. Wow. What else? What else? You're gonna tell me that he was a producer on the on King Arthur? Huh? Legend of the Sword? Okay, yeah, that's bad. <laughs> huh? <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, and I mean, I think he directed a episode of Iron Fist. <laughs> also, not that great. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you, what do you, what do you is the is the humor hitting you in this trailer? Funny you should mention it. It's not. <laughs> so it's not funny. <laughs> It's it's funny you should mention it, but we should mention that it's not very funny. <laughs> yeah, I I'm not feeling it at all. It's it's so weird for me because I'm like, okay, director of Wedding Crashers, Rachel McAdams in it. Like, there's people who, in this movie who have made really good movies that are funny, and this just does not look good. Yeah, at all. I'm hoping. <laughs> But I'm I'm saying I'm hoping that the lower expectations just make it that much more enjoyable, even if it's just mediocre, you know? Yeah, hopefully. Maybe that's maybe that's what they were going for. Like we're gonna put out a three minute trailer, make it look like trash, and then it'll be decent. <laughs> no, I think they think this looks hilarious. Yeah, I don't and know. And I think tons of people are gonna watch it. I th- I think it's oh, gonna yeah. be like it's gonna release and then within the first week it's gonna be like top ten trending on Netflix. I'm going to tell you, I think it's going to be top three on day one. Wow. I mean, wrong Missy was like top three when it yeah. dropped. So mm-hmm. it's the nature, nature of the beast right now. It's people are starved for new movies. I'm just, can we open the movie theaters now? <laughs> yeah, really? I know. Also, I don't, I don't know if you knew this or not. Do you know who the writer is on this? I don't. It's Will Ferrell himself. He's the only writer on it. It's him, and uh, he's he not so. Sh- what? <laughs> God it's, damn it! Yeah, it's him, and it's uh, Andrew Steele, who has worked on a few projects with with Will Ferrell. Right. I saw it when the the trailer was going. It's like writers of uh, Casa de Mi Padre, which that's a Will Ferrell movie. It's wildly stupid. I think it's so funny. Like that movie is hilarious like start to finish i'm like crying laughter but that's what i mean like will ferrell tricks me yeah he's an enigma maybe (laughs) yeah he really is he's an edward enigma (laughs) but yeah yeah i actually knew that you liked that movie a lot i think you mentioned that on the holmes and watson episode probably did now uh you know me and you being in a band do we think that this is going to (laughs) resonate (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Probably more so than any other musical movie it's we've ever be, talked about. It's going to be really relatable. <laughs> yeah. Remember yeah. Our, our European tour that we did? Yeah. Yeah, I think I did. By European, do you mean like surrounding county tour? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no, I'm European as in that tour that we went on where we just tested every urinal within like a 20 mile radius. Yeah. <laughs> European. European. I, no, I got it. <laughs> no, I slowed it down for the swampies. Oh, okay. it was for them. Yeah. The, you know what? The, the one thing that I'm going to say, maybe I'm going to get some, some joy out of in this movie. If you go back and look at the trailer, it looks like there are like uh, competing acts in this. Like it's almost like an American Idol type thing. Yeah. And some of them look ridiculous. I, I'm hoping that there's going to be a bunch of like jokes in there with the different types of either like music or like their sticks because it almost reminds me of all the laughs you got when you saw Dodgeball and they showed all like the recaps of the matches and they're like, oh, the Lumberjacks are like skills that kills and stuff like that because yeah. every time it shows that, I think that scene's hilarious. So maybe we're going to get some good laughs or something like that. Hopefully. I think that's going to be a really good way to pipe in some like weird cameos and stuff too. So yeah, that'd you be know, cool. I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that it's good. Like, like I said, I loved Casa de Mi Padre and like, if they're working together on it, maybe I want to say that I'm hopeful that this is good, but I also don't want to get my hopes up because I, I feel like I know it's going to be bad. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's Will Ferrell's career now. Yeah. It's a, I keep saying this over and over again. I feel like I've said this to a, like about a lot of movies where I'm like, there's people in this that I like, and they've done things of this nature that are really good, but this doesn't look good. I feel like I've said that so often lately, but it really applies to this. Cause like I said, I, I really like Rachel. Rachel McAdams is actually one of my favorite actresses. I think she's so good. I think she's really funny in comedies and she has a pretty good range. And also like Dan Stevens looks like he's probably one of like the douches in this movie. <laughs> like He's probably the antagonist. Yeah. He was in Her Smell last year, which is another like music-based movie. Granted, that was a drama, but he was also really good in that. Like, I know everyone that's involved in this, they have movies of similar nature that I'm like, oh, that was really good. Or they've worked together. So, I don't know. I guess we'll see how it comes out. I don't really have high hopes based on this trailer, but that's why it's only the trailer, I guess. Right? Right? Is that what I'm going to yeah, tell myself? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> they, can't get, they can't give you everything. Yeah. Although in three minutes, it seems like they fucking tried. Yeah, they were they were going for it. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to you want to break the fuck out of this trailer park? Yeah, let's just bust out of here. I don't know how hard it's going to be to bust out of a trailer park, but let's do it. Kaboosh! <laughs> 300 kick a door open. Yeah. <laughs> so we made it. The main event. I say that all the time also, but we're talking duh five bloods. Duh five bloods. For me, every time I say the mo- like the title of the movie and I say Duh Five Bloods, I just feel I feel like I can't pull it off. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I agree. You can't pull it off. No, I, I guess I can't. I've just been saying the five bloods. But I think what it is too is we are exaggerating duh because that's the name of the movie. But if we just said Duh Five Bloods, mm-hmm. you'd be like, Oh, it's the five bloods, but we're trying to emphasize that it is actually spelt D A. Yeah. Number five bloods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe that, that's so why. we sound extra white when we say it. <laughs> extra. Hey there, Colin. Have you seen Duh Five Bloods? 
I have it's seen a new Spike flight. Lee joints. <laughs> oh, geez. Well, let's start off there. <laughs> Spike Lee's new yeah. movie. And Spike Lee putting out a movie, like you said at the beginning of the episode, is definitely, it's an event. It's a big deal. I would say that Spike Lee is an auteur. Yeah. To sound 100%. Douchey. He's, I would say, you know, he's up there with, with the Tarantinos and, you know, Nolan, all those, all those filmmakers that when their movie comes out, you're like, oh shit, like this is a big deal. You got to go see it. Yeah. There's not a lot of directors who have a lot of weight behind their name. There's tons of directors in Hollywood, but maybe only a dozen who you will know their movies just by saying the director's name as opposed to knowing the movies based on the actors. Well, also, I feel like when you say like auteur, like this, this is, I definitely feel like a good comparison for, for Spike Lee is actually Tarantino, but you can tell it's their movie just by watching the movie without knowing who did it. Like the way things are filmed the way oh, they, sure. their, their style choices like you can tell that it's a spike lee movie just like how if you watch a tarantino movie you know it's a tarantino movie because you get a lot of close-ups of feet you get a lot of close-ups of feet yeah exactly and you're like who could have done this only one man <laughs> qt but, yeah cute they call him qt but yeah no uh i i and it's same thing with with tarantino i think some people there are people out there that just don't like tarantino movies like all oh, they're long they, they don't have a lot of locations they're drawn out and there's people like us that absolutely love Tarantino. And I think that's the same thing with, with Spike Lee is people either love his style or they hate his style. Right. And he, speaking of his style, cause right out the gate, you see it, even in the trailer, you see it and his style. And I think the Tarantino comparison continues here is very, um, not like, uh, it's definitely not over the top, but like it's ex exaggerated a little yeah. bit, like, especially like the way he moves the camera. And he even has like that, um, you know, that that tracking shot where it's he, like on the dolly the where it doesn't look like their feet are moving. Yeah, exactly. And like yeah. that's a staple for him. Like that ends up in every movie. And then you have somebody piping uh, a monologue straight th through to the camera. It's funny because I hate that. Like <laughs> I, I straight up hate when he does that. Yeah, it works sometimes. Like I've seen some of his movies where I actually like the placement of it and the usage of it, and other times it feels like he's just doing jamming it, it in there because he feels yeah. like he has to. Like it's his calling card, so he just forces it in. Yeah, I, I definitely feel that because I was kind of waiting for it to happen, and I was watching. This, I was I was watching this movie with Brandon, and uh, it happens pretty late in the movie, and I was like, I said out loud, I was like, God. Damn it. I was like, I hate when he does this. And there was only like 10 minutes left in the movie. <laughs> oh, it happens so late in the movie. Yeah. And but, it's uh, like the most awkward shot too. Like they're not even talking. Yeah. I, I wasn't a fan. I mean, I'm, I'm never really a fan of, of that. But in general though, like I, I really like his style. And one thing about him that I actually think he does better than a lot of people is his movies are usually like, he's like got his pulse on the state of the country like I, this movie feels like it was made like only a month ago yeah definitely topical and again like this is something that we kind of addressed when we added the the extra intros and then when we came back after after you got back from florida but it's not like what's been going on lately in our country is anything new so i'm not totally surprised that spike lee was just like right on top of it because yeah. this is kind of a recent weird occurrence, too, where Netflix releases a project 
hot on the heels of something like, cause they had that pandemic documentary that came out like two weeks after coronavirus was really exploding. Like mm-hmm. it might've even been like right before the shutdown and they were oh, like, wow. everybody's got to stay home, you know, <laughs> but don't worry. We have this show for you. Yeah. That's just right on the nose with what's going on. So I almost think Netflix is behind a lot of this. <laughs> They're just, orchestrating the world right now they might be i mean they're a huge company everybody's got them in their home they're probably listening to us right now i have netflix you know on my computer on my phone on my tv like it's everywhere man (laughs) i think we just cracked the code i think (laughs) we did this podcast is getting shut down shut down (laughs) but uh you know love his movies or hate his movies spike lee has done a ton of iconic films i would say iconic films yeah i agree I don't generally like throwing around the word iconic, but I mean, it's it's hard to argue with, you know, do the right thing and Malcolm X, you know, she's got to have it, Jungle Fever. Like, it's hard to argue with his body of work. And even three years ago, two years ago, 2018, I think was Black Landsman. Like, Black Landsman was nominated for like everything that year. So, yeah, that movie was great. Yeah. Um, Spike Leader is also a writer on this movie. Uh, we mentioned it when we did the trailer park, him and Kevin Wilmot, uh, they've worked together before They're writers on it. And then Danny Bilson and Paul DeMeo, they are the other two. And they have primarily like a video game background. We we'd already mentioned all this, but watching the film, we'll, we'll get into, it. I don't want to go too deep into it, but watching the film, cause that was a little bit of my concern was the writing on it. And I felt very early on that I didn't have to be worried about that. Really? Yeah. But let me get through the cast and we'll get into it. Maybe we could start there. I'm cool with that. So Roy Lindo, he plays Paul. He was also, he worked on uh, Malcolm X with uh, Spike Lee. Jonathan Majors, who I'm actually really starting to like. He was in Captive State, which I know me and you weren't huge on, but he was also in Hostels, which I liked. And then he was uh, one of the leads in uh, The Last Black Man in San Francisco. And I thought both of right. us thought that was a really cool movie. Clark Peters, he played Otis, probably known from Three Billboards. I didn't pick this up until I looked at his IMDb, but he was in John Wick, the first one. Really? Yeah, he plays Harry and John Wick. I don't, I couldn't remember who that was, but I'm like, huh, that's cool. Yeah, I don't know. Norm Lewis, he plays Eddie. Uh, Isaiah Whitlock Jr., he plays Melvin. He was in Black Klansman. There's actually a lot of crossover with Black Klansman in this movie uh, because we also have uh, Paul Walter Hoser, who played Simon. Uh, you know, He's in Black Klansman. I, Tanya Richard Jewell. Gene Reno is cool seeing him in this because ever since I saw Godzilla, I need more Gene Reno. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah. And, uh, of course, Chadwick Boseman is in this movie as, I love his name, Storm and Norman. Just, yeah. just love it. Just love it. But yeah, I mean, let's get into the writing uh, first because it sounds like you already have a point to make. But um, I really like the dialogue on the movie. And I think the dialogue goes a long way in this movie in terms of their friendship and how they talk to each other. And, um, you know, I, I thought the writing on the movie was really good because I enjoyed the dialogue i felt like it helped build that the the chemistry between the actors and gave you the 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 feeling that they've been friends for a long time and at least that they've they've gone through a lot together so yeah i felt early on that i I was like okay i don't really have to worry about the writing on the movie i can agree here i think that our main characters are written well every other side character who would come into play and their relation to the group or the way that the group addresses other characters, I felt was kind of lacking. Like some some actions 
kind of didn't feel very authentic. There was just something that was off about when a third party was added to the mix of their group. Their group had such strong chemistry and their characters are very well developed and established. And then whenever like other people were getting into the mix, I feel like it lost that. Like it had a hard time focusing. I definitely feel like the movie is at its peak when it's just them. Yeah. All, especially like first act, early second act. I was really into this movie and that's mainly when it's just them, when they're on their own adventure and yeah, like I agree. I, I think the characters are very well realized and all the main characters in the movie I liked. I think maybe because I can kind of get behind what you're saying, but part of me thinks that maybe the reason behind that is hitting sort of on one of the messages of the film. And that is basically kind of the way you interact with people like like people. I, I guess this is a little bit of a spoiler. Maybe not. Th they were all in the Vietnam War. And then one of the characters has like severe P PTSD and he right. basically because he was in the war, his brain almost has like trained him to be like to think a certain way about all like Vietnam people. And I think also white people uh, just based on like certain things that have, you know, they show in flashbacks. But um, I think it's hitting on that. And I think every time that another party's introduced, it's almost his like PTSD and almost like hysteria going off. I don't know if that's yeah. what you're hitting on, like but kind of like a defense mechanism. Yeah, kind of because yeah, like I don't think there's a lot to them, but I also don't think they allow them to have a lot to them because it's usually the one character is kind of just like, no fuck off. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe that's it. I can see that as a theme throughout the movie and then especially plays big into uh, the finale. But yeah, I mean, it, cause it wasn't even just with, that character who has like the PTSD. Like I even felt like the, uh, the love interest for the other guy was kind of weak. And like, I can understand why the focus is on the core group, but I just, I felt like because their dialogue was so strong and then the story building around them was so strong that the, everybody should have been kind of balanced a little bit better. Like, especially yeah. There are, I feel like there's a lot of characters who kind of join the fray throughout mm -hmm. this movie that it it kind of loses a little bit of its focus, like late second act. Yeah. Actually, you know, while you're saying this, it's almost changing my opinion just a little bit or I'm, or I'm having like somewhat of a realization with how I feel. Yeah. So I guess well, like... Well, think about the third act. Well, I, I was just going to say real quick, like I feel like the dialogue for the most part is really strong. The dialogue in general, I actually really like across the board. Maybe isn't as weak with the third parties like you're saying, but amongst our main characters, for me, that's almost the draw of the movie. I think it's it's that good. But thinking about the writing in terms of like the way other characters are used and their characterization, you can definitely pinpoint that a lot of the other characters in the movie are just there to introduce something or an idea or say something just to have like a frame of reference for something later on in the movie. Yeah. I won't spoil, but there's a few things that like they say things and it's, it's not subtle at all. And you're like, Oh, okay, well that's going to happen. And there's actually one thing that gets set up in the movie and we'll, we'll talk about it later, but there's one thing that's set up in the movie and I was waiting for it to happen for about a half hour. And then it finally happened. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, well, yeah, I wonder if, I, yeah, you know it. I, I think, 
I do, but I might be wrong. Okay. Yeah, that, that's just kind of, I feel like dialogue wise, the movie's pretty strong, especially in terms of like characters talking to each other, but maybe the writing in terms of the way certain things play out isn't as strong. And yeah, I would I would agree that the secondary characters aren't developed as as well. Yeah, they feel they feel kind of just tossed in and then thrown away easily. Yeah, which is is all well and good. I think the most important thing, especially when it comes to like characterization and the story building, they they hit that well. Yeah. So it's it's weird how like for me the writing is both a positive and a negative. You know what? Like, like I said, I can actually kind of see that now because there's some things I'm thinking about. I'm like, hmm. Well, I, I didn't really like that part, and it, was, and it comes down to kind of how the story is written, not necessarily the characters. Well, I have a question for you, and it kind of relates to the writing. Actually, it very much relates to the writing. Mm-hmm. But we talked about in the trailer park that Spike Lee, even though the subject matter is almost always sociopolitical, and he generally does like kind of dramas he always blends in comedy throughout yeah did you feel like the humor was landing for you through this honestly like i can't really think of moments where i laughed too much i think there was a couple times where i was humored but in general not really yeah that's how i felt too like i can see where they were putting jokes but i feel like the jokes weren't for us Almost like it's like they're inside jokes that are only funny to the characters, kind of. So I don't know if that's intentional as a device to show their bond, but it doesn't let the audience in. And I was like, I feel like this is supposed to be played for a laugh, but I'm not finding it funny. Yeah, maybe. I actually I'm going to say this, like maybe there were no laughs for me. And maybe they were going for a few, but I I actually think this is possibly his darkest movie, or at least definitely his most like graphic movie. Oh, for sure, and I really really liked it. I liked that a lot. There was a few things that like I found extremely disturbing. So I I wasn't ever thinking about the comedy about it. Like I wasn't ever sitting there like uh, the comedy's not landing for me because there was like I felt like almost like every 10 minutes they would show you just something that I was just like, that's fucked up. Like here, here's, I would say this is actually probably the biggest thing that you have to know going into this movie. The movie gets really graphic and disturbing. And on top of that, once you find out that some of the things you're seeing are, is actual footage of real people getting killed. That makes it even more disturbing. (laughs) Yeah. But you know what? Then maybe that's a reason the humor doesn't land as well because you have that mix, but then that's why I'm like, why put it in where you put it? You know, the humor, I mean. Yeah. Like I said, it wasn't doing anything for me. If there was humor, it was, it was just kind of going over my head. So it, it didn't it didn't phase me one way or another. I think the main thing, if they were going for humor and not having it be like actually too funny, is just because, you know, maybe you want like a quick light moment. But other than that, I, it's a pretty dark movie and... I mean, the themes that it comments are very relevant, and I think they, I don't think they wanted people to like necessarily have like a fun time watching the film, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, like it, it's really violent. Actually, we were sitting down watching it, and Nicole asked me, she was like, "Is this movie gonna be like really like intense or disturbing?" And I was like, 
Spike Lee's movies get like intense, but like they're not usually like typically like super violent or anything. And then things started happening. And I was like, oh, sh- oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. But you're not even wrong in saying that. It's not like you were misdirecting. Like you were spot on with that. But yeah, this was definitely a more like, like you said, graphic turn for him. And yeah. I was all about it. Actually, do you want to do you want to open the door on some spoilers? Because I, I do want to. Most of the points that I have to make, I feel like I need to spoil stuff so that we can we can talk about it. I'll do one more that's non-spoilery that I really liked, and then we can probably get into, into spoilers. Because I usually like All to right, make hit. it so, like, if I have anything that's not spoilery, get it out of the way so we could talk longer about that stuff. And then... Yeah, well, hit me with it then. Cinematography on this. A big, thumb, big thumbs up for me. Yeah, me too. Loved okay. it. I also felt like as much as his style shines through... I felt like this looked very different from a lot of his other movies. Like, I think this movie stands out very well on its own as like being uh, being something different for what he does, but still fully capturing his essence with the camera. Yeah. The thing for me was there are directors who want to use like multiple aspect ratios and don't know what the fuck they're doing it's actually funny that i say that because i'm going back and listening to our old our old episodes and like the fifth episode we did was bumblebee and we talk about in i think it's the fifth transformers movie how the aspect ratio changes on a dime just back and forth real quick and they they're just doing it because they don't know what the hell they're doing the yeah the aspect ratio changes from three different formats in this movie but it's all very deliberate with which one they're using and I thought it was really cool because uh, the movie starts off and they're they're in Vietnam, but they're in like the city portion of Vietnam. And in that part, you have your your standard uh, like two three five like aspect ratio, and with, the, with that's with the bars on the top. Uh, it's yep. you know, more widescreen, and you know it starts off like that very standard. But then every time it flashes back to old you know Vietnam War footage, it goes into the the five by three um, aspect ratio, and it looks like it. they may have actually shot it in 16 millimeter, which would be cool, or it was just edited in post. I don't know. But we mentioned that on the trailer park when we talked about it. And we're like, oh, maybe, you know, it looks like maybe the old foot, like the flashback footage is done that way. And again, I thought that was a good way to break up some scenes because there's sometimes where they flash pretty quickly between the two. And it's a good way to keep you, you know, knowing where you are in terms of the timeline. But once they get into the jungle, it goes into the the 178 aspect ratio which is just there's no bars that's like i i think that's what they use for imax it's just the full screen and it's yeah. and that's where you get a lot of your really cool like jungle like overhead shots and stuff like that and you know it made everything feel really big and that's kind of when they're like lost in the woods and in gen- in general i just felt like very like tasteful and smart use of the camera and in different styles and like mediums almost and you know I, I was impressed by that i thought it was really cool i agree i really liked that and like you said especially like the stuff when they're traversing through the jungle i thought looked very cool and i'd like to believe that they shot the older like the flashback stuff on 16 millimeter just because it looks so legit like if if they did just use like a filter or something or uh, you know that was post-production then like that's a really good job they did because it it looks like you know found footage from vietnam like they did a really nice job but they didn't lose a lot of the color 
yeah. from it. Like I feel like it's still like very vibrant. Like it looks really fresh. You know, I was I was I was definitely impressed. You know, we we talk. I feel like most episodes we try and like hit the cinematography real quick, unless it's something that just isn't worth our time. Like I don't think we yeah. mentioned it, like the Lovebirds or anything like that. But like that's something I usually like to hit on. And I think as far as twenty twenty goes, this is the best shot film so far this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll give you that. I liked a lot of the camera work in The Invisible Man, but I don't think it's on the same level as this. Yeah. Like, I, again, like, camera work, yeah. I think just the actual, like, shots are more appealing in this. Okay. Yeah, I can give you that. I really liked, like, the the set pieces they chose for this. And like yeah. I said, as much as this movie, you get Spike Lee's style, this movie really stands out against the rest of his catalog, I think. Yeah, I, I I definitely thought so too. Like, has he done any other war movies? I don't know. That that's actually something I was gonna mention with like the violence and stuff. Like me personally, I felt like you can kind of tell that he hasn't directed a lot of action set pieces. Right. And and really, I'm I'm comparing that to like action staples, where I'm like, oh my god, like this is this is so visceral. This is like the the action scenes get intense, but I think a lot of it is because of the gore. But, like, when you're actually watching, like, what's going on, they're pretty, like, static shots. And it's usually just, like, five people in a line, like, kneeling down on the grass, just firing off, like, (laughs) AK-47s. And, uh, like, I don't... It didn't feel as finessed as something, like, I'm going to mention John Wick or whatever. You know, where you you see everything, you see the reload and stuff. So, And it it doesn't need to be like like that. Like, I think it did its job. But I was just thinking about it. I'm like, I don't know how experienced Spike Lee actually is with like doing action. Well, that's interesting that you say that. And I don't mean to go backwards, but it, it kind of pertains to the writing a little bit. But I guess spoilers here. But there's like a there's a scene in the second act when they're being attacked like in the jungle. Mm-hmm. And at that point, the writing devolves to like middle school level. Because like all of the all of the dialogue, everything that they're shouting, it's just like, go, go, move up. It's like, I'm reloading. It's like, oh, my gun's jammed. Like it's, I don't know. It, maybe that's exactly how it is in real life. And maybe that's like the only dialogue that is actually out there. But it just seemed like random army jargon nonsense. It just like devolved so quickly. And then like once the scene is moved on to the next, then it all comes back. But like, it seemed like when the action started, they didn't know what these characters should be doing and saying. They Like it didn't feel, it didn't feel legit. Like it felt like it was just movie action. I, I agree with that. Like, like I said, I was watching it and there there's blood, there's gore there. There's definitely stakes involved because some characters get maimed pretty bad, but yeah, like the actual way that they're like in combat felt very stale. Like it it didn't feel like they had done research on like actual army tactics and not every movie needs that, but I definitely feel like if you have the people doing what is more real and and you get a little bit more creative with like the camera and stuff, you can make like really awesome war set pieces and stuff like that. And I don't know cuz there's a lot of lot of uh themes that they want to talk to in this movie and so I don't know if the focus was really like, oh man, we're gonna like give him like some crazy John Wick action sequences in this movie, but right. when the action was happening, it felt stale to me. Like you were kind of like it. It just I I'd, I'd seen that before. It actually reminded me of like 
in this and this is going for camp but like it reminded me of like the action set pieces in tropic thunder <laughs> yeah dude yeah that's cr- that's weird that you you said that i was thinking about tropic thunder today while while you're watching it <laughs> or just in general kind of in relation to this because it was after i just watched this mm-hmm. and uh, i was just like researching like movies from various years and uh, i uh saw tropic thunder and i'm like oh yeah like i started making like the comparisons Mm-hmm. from from that movie to this movie you know it's similar like terrain and stuff like that and they're obviously wildly different but i kind of see like what you're saying in terms of like the way they shot the action in this like it almost feels like that i, I always just think of ben stiller down on one knee just like screaming and shooting bullets <laughs> with no cover <laughs> yeah the way all good soldiers do <laughs> yeah this <laughs> is ah <laughs> yeah. yeah and then We'll get into spoilers in one second. The the last thing that I want to go into, and we don't even have to go into specifics, but again, it mainly pertains to your your main five in the movie. But acting is acting's great in this. At least I thought it was. I thought I thought the two you know the two characters you get the most time with. I was super impressed with. Oh yeah, and they're both such strong actors. Like I've seen them in a bunch of stuff, and I've never seen them phone it in. Well, you know? I was I was gonna say, uh, to Roy Lindo, like, I think this this might be the best he's ever been. Like, he's got some crazy monologue. He's got a lot of like manic moments. I thought he was great. Oh, and then and then Jonathan I loved Majors, all of his monologues. Yeah, I was I was gonna say Jonathan Majors. You know, we we I mentioned that I really liked him in The Last Black Man in San Francisco and stuff like that. This is also I think this might be a, like a game changer for his career because he's pretty early on in his career and especially the more emotional moments later on in the movie when he's talking about like his mom and stuff. I was like, I, it was hitting me. So I was really good acting movie. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I, I couldn't find anybody who was really like bothering me or taking away from what everybody else was doing. I think, and, and this movie is obviously like an ensemble because the whole premise is around this group of, of friends who kind of stuck together after, you know, getting out of Vietnam. And or at least coming back together after getting out of Vietnam. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of moving pieces. You have to build all of these characters simultaneously. But then that means if you got one guy who's out there fucking killing it and everyone else is kind of being a slouch, then it's it's gonna be very apparent. But I also think Spike Lee is really good with his casting choices throughout his career. And also knowing how to get what he needs out of everybody that he works with. Because all of his movies, even even the movies that lean more closely to comedy, he always gets really good drama out of everybody. And he always, I think he had just has such a deep understanding of what these characters should be that he knows exactly how to get the actors there. Not to take away credit from the actor's work, but I think it's a, you know... I think any of them would agree that it's it's a team effort yeah. and a lot of their understanding of their own characters will come from the direction that they're getting from Spike Lee, especially if he also wrote this. So I mm-hmm. think that that translates really well and I'm not, I'm not surprised, but I'm not, not impressed. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. I think that's all I have in terms of non-spoilery stuff. So if you want to start, you know, getting into some stuff, go for it. All right, so spoilers. So the ending, right? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, so for me, there, there are some scenes that, 
I mean, there's a lot of scenes that I really liked, and we talked about like the gore and everything. And then there were some scenes that were still fine, but I felt like were fairly predictable. And you touched on it, you know, a little bit earlier, but uh, before we get that far, they're searching for the gold where they had buried it back when they were serving in Vietnam. Also, I wanted to ask you this about the flashbacks. This isn't relating to what I'm about to talk about. It's just, I, I just popped in my head. But the rest, everybody but Chadwick Boseman, when they were in Vietnam, they just didn't age. Oh, yeah. And I don't mean, I don't mean that they look young now. I mean, they were already in their 60s in Vietnam. Well, it's weird because um, later on in the movie, they show a photograph of the, the five of them. And... Yeah. And your it's main like characters, yeah, the main characters are de-aged, but in the actual like moments that are that are flashbacks and things are going on, they're not. And for me, the only thing, two things I could think of: one, they didn't want to de-age and spend the money, or or they just didn't want to de-age because sometimes it doesn't look very good. Yeah. Or two, it's these are most of the times it's flashbacks from a per like a person's telling the story. Or they're re- recounting something in their head. It's not just the, like the movie oh, showing okay. you. So maybe it's just like they're so they're putting showing themselves themselves back, back there. Into yeah, got you. Okay, then that might have just been something that I either missed or I just like didn't pick up on. I can see that being a storytelling choice, but I could also see that being a workaround for not wanting to do the de-aging. Um, the de aging. Yeah. Because I yeah. agree, like sometimes it looks bad and then it really like takes away focus. So yeah, maybe maybe that's a storytelling device. I'm okay with that. It didn't bother me. I just noticed it and I was just like, wait, what's happening? Like these yeah. guys were these guys were already old as fuck in Vietnam and now it's how many <laughs> years later and they still look they look great. Well, it's I guess be, for their age. It's like fifty if you're going off the timeline, it's it's like fifty years later. So yeah, like Yeah, I, well they look great for hundred and ten. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It makes even more sense why they did the aspect ratio thing if they're going to avoid de-aging. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that... Okay, yeah, that does make sense. But... So, what I actually wanted to get to, when they're doing the... They're looking for the gold. They're looking for the gold that they buried back in the day. Mm -hmm. And uh, the one guy's got the metal detector. Yeah. I was... Like, I know that was, like, a good moment. Also, they found that gold really quick. That was, like... This movie super, is like super two convenient. hours and forty minutes. They find the qu- they find the gold in like the first forty minutes of the movie. Yeah, they find it very quickly. It's actually like I thought that I'm like found that pretty quick, but it's in the like that was the area that they were going to. That's where they assumed it would be. So it was only gonna be a matter of time until they found it. So yeah. I guess it was just like whatever. I actually think like right around that moment, that was like when I was having the most. Like that's when I was enjoying the movie the most. Yeah. That was good because at that point, I think we got like a very even mix of everybody's story, like from the group. And then we we got to see some like ups and downs. And then I actually really like the scene where um where the Vietnamese boy who's like missing a leg comes into the into the bar and is like asking for money. And like I liked the uh, the way that that scene played out. And I think it was very well acted by our main group. And they really uh, conveyed the emotion that they needed to there. Mm-hmm. but something something about that scene where he's like hunting for they're looking for the gold and he's using the metal detector I was actually on edge and and it's not even because the scene is intentionally building tension he thought he was gonna but because the line. whole time I'm just like 
that metal detector is going to find a landmine. Like yeah. one of these is going to be a landmine. So like the whole time when they're digging for gold and he's going off and looking for more of them, I was just waiting for the one where he gets a little bit too far away. And he's like, Oh, I got another one over here. Then he steps on it and it just blows him to fucking shit. Yeah. That was, that was what I was talking about earlier where I was like, they set up the whole thing. Like, Oh, what are you doing? She's like, Oh, I look for landmines. Like, that's what we do. And I was like, okay, someone's going to step on a landminer later on in this movie. And yeah, yeah, like I think they were intentionally doing it that way where he was kind of walking off to, to put you on edge. And it was effective because I was waiting for that guy to get blunt for a while. But yeah. when someone hits a landmine, like when that scene finally comes, it is telegraphed from a mile away. Like, I don't know if you yeah. felt that, but I was just like, like the whole, the way it's shot, the way he's walking away from the group and everything. I said like five seconds before it happened to Brandon, I was like, because I knew Nicole wouldn't like Gore. I'm like, he's about to step on a landmine. And then I think Nicole closed her eyes and then and I was like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, definitely telegraphed. But I'll say the sound design was great because I got the surround sound with the subwoofers and everything. When mm-hmm. that landmine went off, I thought a, a landmine went off in my fucking backyard. And I was like, holy shit, that was loud. Yeah. <laughs> so good job there. The sound design for me, I thought was was pretty good. It wasn't like a standout to me, but I thought it was good. It you mainly pick up on it when there's like action set pieces, I think. Yeah. A big negative for me about this movie and something that actually is going to drag my my grade down a bit on it, it's hella long. Yeah. And it's not, at least in my opinion, it's not long for the sake of adding substance to the movie because I was watching the movie and I really, really liked the first half of this movie. And then the second half yeah. of the movie, I felt like it was very redundant in some ways and a lot of it is just like the main guy who kind of uh takes over leadership of the group just goes crazy and they're just kind of like trying to make him happy but they're also afraid of that and things are just getting worse and worse but it's a lot of the same thing they meet someone they have a conflict they move on they meet someone they get into a conflict they move on you know what i mean and I've said this many times. I don't mind long movies. It That doesn't bother me as long as it's length that it is adding to it. I felt like it was just, it was just long. <laughs> you are telling me. Okay. I don't like, I don't like watching movies and like dividing my time. And like, I want to just sit down and watch the whole movie. It took me three tries. Like I had to watch this movie in three different sessions and I, I hate doing that, but I just I just couldn't do it. Like every time I'd start it, I'd be like, "Fuck!" Like this movie's like almost two hours and forty minutes. Like that's that's friggin' long. And like we had to just do uh, King of Staten Island, and I we were texting, or maybe we were talking on the phone, and I was just like, "Dude, these two movies together are five hours." Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> because Judd Apatow doesn't make a short movie either. Yeah, you know. I, I felt the length on... Because we complained a little bit about the length in King of Staten Island. I felt the length yeah. in this movie way more than that movie. Agreed. Definitely. And I think it's because of like what you said. And we even said in, in King of Staten Island last week that there's a lot of redundancy in the second act. And I think I think that's very much the same here. Like we said, like... Actually, there's a lot of similarities because same thing. Like we said in King of Staten Island, like you get a really good idea of like the characters, the relationships, and you understand like kind of what the story is going to be. And that's all set up in the first 40 minutes. 
and then it meanders for an hour. Yeah. And that's unfortunate because in that time where they're kind of meandering and they're just, there's not really any real character progression or even like story progression. There's a lot of like, there's a good shots. There's great dialogue. So it's not like, it's not like there's nothing to appreciate in that time, but it didn't feel like anything was advancing and it didn't feel like we were getting any, uh, any new story, any new information like it. It's so weird when these movies are this long and they have these middles that don't add anything, but then the end, like the third act comes and it feels like everything is so rushed. Yeah. One thing that I think maybe adds to the length of this, or it's just a product of Spike Lee doing something that Spike Lee does a lot is he, in all of his movies, he likes to comment on a lot of things in the world like relevant social issues and I'm I'm on board with what he's commenting on like a, a lot of the things I think are very relevant very important but he goes to so many different topics that it almost feels a little scattered like like choose what you want to talk about and talk about it but like this movie kind of goes into like PTSD and like how when you go back home you take kind of the war with you and then it goes into like how you're you're basically programmed to like think about a certain people or a certain race or whatever and uh it goes into all these different things and i feel like it's commenting on it a little bit at, at a time like during that middle act and and they show you like different pictures of like that's another thing they, they show you a lot of pictures of real people and real things that happen and they reference them every time they did yeah. that though it pulled me out of the movie and oh i'm so happy you said that because i would have i would have forgotten to say it I okay. I refer to it as the PowerPoint presentations in the movie <laughs> because the thing that sucks is it's a double-edged sword and it's the same thing you're saying where like Spike Lee I think has a hard time just focusing on one message or and that's not even to say like you only can have one message in a movie but it feels like things are jumped around between these different uh, facets of the story that is really it's really jarring and yeah. it's the same thing where I'm like, it's crazy how the writing is both a positive and a negative because those scenes that you're talking about and the PowerPoints and stuff, I, it's a positive and a negative for me because I see why they're there and I think it's important and I, I really appreciate what he's doing because he's using his platform and this opportunity to address real black American heroes and historical figures who don't get the attention that they should and aren't talked about as much as they should in the history books until February comes around, which a uh, spoiler alert for the world, uh, black history exists outside of one month. And I really respect and appreciate the fact that he was shining lights on lesser known stories, but the cutting away to just a picture while they're talking about that, like, I don't, feel like it's very effective. Like, I feel like they're already shining the importance on them in the dialogue and in a way where it didn't feel too shoehorned in. So I, I appreciated that. Showing you the picture almost talks down to you. Yeah, it really does. And I'm trying to give the benefit of the doubt that maybe the idea was just like, no, like, look at their faces, know these people. But I, I just think the message would have been stronger without these weird 
abrupt cuts to like a Wikipedia page, essentially. Yeah, I it kept pulling me out of the movie. That's the main thing for me is I'm watching this movie. I'm I'm all about what they're saying, and then it cuts to something else, or it cuts to like the part where it just cuts to the real dead child. Like fuck me up. Like I don't know. It there's just certain things, or just a picture of somebody. There's like the one time where they show the uh the the person who um he was the track runner yeah at, at the kids college and it like shows the picture for like so long and like zooms in on it and stuff it almost does like a parallax effect and i was just kind of like okay now now i'm thinking about that picture i'm not thinking about what the guy's saying and it's just i did i didn't really like it. it it felt like like an intro to video editing class <laughs> you know like i said i don't want it to sound bad because they're, they're commenting i think the intent of what they're doing is very important and i i'm I'm all for the messages in this movie because, again, I think it says a lot of really important things. Right. I also realized that this movie is going to piss a lot of people off because there's some parts where they, like, say things and I was just like, doesn't bother me. It's going to really bother some people, though. <laughs> um, but that, oh, I think yeah. that's also Spike Lee. But just the way that they, again, the things that they chose to talk about and how they talk about, I think, drag the movie on a little bit. And I think that if you had just left it dialogue-driven people who actually enjoyed the movie would go and look up those people. I think for me, at yeah. least I, I like to do the research after the fact. I like a movie to inspire me to go and figure out more and learn. Whereas this was kind of just like, here it is. You're too dumb. <laughs> You're too dumb to do that. <laughs> yeah. But you know, what would have been cool. I think this would have been a good workaround where it's kind of like, Hey Spike, if you want to put these pictures of these people so that people who might be unknowing or uneducated in in this part of our history they can they can put a face to the name and to the story instead of interjecting it abruptly with pictures in the middle of your movie during the end credits yeah so you reference them you keep them in the dialogue you because also those stories that they tell are relevant to the progression of the story so it's not like it's it's not like them talking about them is what's abrupt. It's just those it's just those cuts. It's really about the editing, not so much the story. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it would have been better to leave that dialogue in there, talk about these important figures, and then at the end of the movie, they well, they play a a, a Martin Luther King speech, like a clip from a speech that he did in uh, in New York. And after that, you know, you have your little text and when the scroll is going for the end credits, just to the right or the left, you have the pictures of the people who are referenced, almost almost like your citations. Mm-hmm. And you put up a picture of this of this important figure that you wanted to showcase, and you could even have like information about them next to it or under it or on the picture, like as a graphic. And then it'll you play the next one, and then you can showcase even more people who maybe you didn't talk about in the script, but like here are all of the, the important black Americans who have done hard, hard work to make this country, not only a better place for their community, but for all of us as the USA, you know, like there are so many stories. Uh, like you look at like the, the Tuskegee airmen and like, they'll have like, movies for them but like i feel like a lot of people don't really know the history and i feel like there's a lot of people who are who go unsung as heroes mm-hmm. because of inherent prejudice i feel like he could have utilized his platform 
I don't want to say better, but just differently. Yeah. Two things that I did want to comment, and it kind of still relates to this, but this movie is in some ways kind of meta, and I actually liked what they did because it's definitely... It's definitely 100% true and it kind of comments on it and also kind of gives you what you want. But it's like they mentioned like, why is it that like every single time there's a movie, this is like they say this in the script. Like, why is it that there's any time anyone like referenced like Vietnam in like a movie, it's always like Rambo. It's like some white, white guy. And they nobody ever talks about like the black people that like had to like sacrifice so much in like this war. Like we didn't believe in it. Like a lot of people didn't believe in this war. And yeah, I just, I, I just thought about that for a second because that line is delivered early in the movie and especially when i was probably at like my highest or like shortly after that i'd be at like my highest i like i said i was really enjoying it for the first half and they referenced that and i thought about it i'm like it's definitely true because this movie is like hitting for me right now and rambo i just don't like like i think rambo is crap <laughs> and or at least like some of the rambo movies i mean we talked about last blood which isn't vietnam but like I was just thinking yeah. about like the, that franchise and like and like this and it, it's definitely true and I it's funny because like you're getting a you're getting a movie essentially about that that is honoring the people and they're commenting on the movie and uh multiple characters in the movie are based on real people the one character I'm blanking on his name in the movie it may have been Melvin but the one that jumps on the grenade oh yeah he's named after someone else who you know I think he may have been the first African-American to win a Medal of Honor or, or earn a Medal of Honor. And it's because he sacrificed himself and jumped on a grenade for his, oh, wow. his, his squad. Yeah. So like thought all that was 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 really cool. And just going back to like the message of the movie, like I agree with with so much of what is being said for me, where I'm coming from. I would just rather watch a movie that really nails its message even if it's only one thing if it's if it's really nailed in there and finessed and they you know drive it home i would rather watch that than like five ideas that are scattered yeah even if all five of those messages are things that i i agree with and believe in Mm -hmm. you want to be concise and clear and especially right now i think it's important to kind of hone in on what the real message is that we're trying to push out there. You know, it's, it's like, we're saying like you have too much stuff going on. It's people are going to not pay attention to all of it. It's going to like desensitize. People are going to be like, Oh, well it's trying to say this, 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 and this. So now instead of focusing on what's the most important thing of all of it, they're just overwhelmed by all the different things that they just don't care about any of it now. Mm -hmm. I mean, the other thing that's unfortunate about this is I think the only people who are going to see a movie like this are people who already are in agreement with it, which is like a whole nother huge problem in the world. Just in general, it's people only are seeking out other people who agree with them. And I feel like, Movies like this, like I really hope people who don't have as good of an understanding of what's going on right now, I really hope that they can see something like this and maybe because it's a movie, because it is, you know, fictional, that it's an easier pill to swallow because I think there's obviously a lot of like difficult conversations happening right now across the country and maybe watching the news isn't the best way to receive a message and... That's why I think like art is so important in general 
and especially like giving a voice and amplifying the voices of black authors, black auteurs and uh, black artists so that they can try and convey the message in a more palatable way than what the media is trying to show everybody. Yeah. I actually, I have a question for you. There, there's a character in the movie that wears a Make America Great Again hat. Yep. Do you think that was necessary? No. I actually wrote that down. I felt like that was very heavy-handed and not needed. See, here's the thing. Like, I think everything that the movie is trying to comment on, it's not political, you know? It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's social. And I feel like by putting that in there, it almost makes it a Democrat-Republican type thing and right. could possibly alienate one group of people in some in some ways i don't want that to sound bad but like i you're talking about like how accessible the movie is to people and stuff i felt like including that was almost unnecessary and in some ways made it less accessible yeah yeah no definitely then and that's kind of why i mention it because now if you are somebody who is republican or you know supporting of trump that you see that and you see the way it's being played as like, oh, look how like ignorant this guy is or whatever. Now that's a whole section of people who aren't going to listen to your message now. And maybe they wouldn't have watched the movie to begin with. And I'm not saying that Spike Lee needs to, you know, change his art to cater to these people. And it's okay to be political with your art. But I feel like because this message is so important for people to understand, the people who need to hear it are the people wearing those hats. Us watching that, is it enlightening? Absolutely. Is there stuff that I could learn? For sure. Like there's always room for growth. But the people who need it the most are the people wearing that hat. And as soon as they see that hat being played for laughs, or not even just laughs, but using it as a way to like talk down to a character, those people who need that information the most are going to turn it off because they're going to feel attacked. And I think if it was, if that was left out, there might be a number of people, and I'm sure it wouldn't be everybody, but there might be a number of people who kind of view what's going on in the world from, from the right. And then when they see that and they're like, you know, damn, like, that's a perspective that I didn't have before. That's, mm-hmm. that's a thought that I didn't, I didn't think about. I'd never put myself in that thought. Like there might be other veterans who now can watch this movie and be like, I know exactly what that's like, like, but I never knew what it was like as a black soldier. Like I knew what it's like for myself, but now seeing this like kind of shines a light on something. And now I can begin to understand it opens a door for, for a much deeper conversation but then you throw that MAGA hat on him, and now I feel like that's just closing doors, and it's not helpful. Yeah, that that's that's why I felt. <laughs> I think, right. I Sorry, think, I, 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 no, no, I I think you worded it really well. I for for me, like we we've been talking about this now for like ten minutes or so, but like I I think there, there's a lot of important things to say in this. I just feel like it could have been done a little bit better, maybe not in terms of the content, just in terms of like how you talk about those things and how you can reach as many ears as possible and actually have a conversation rather than like maybe just comment on a few things and have it feel very scattered or just flat out attacking people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, 
It's one of our favorite go-to words on the show. It's finesse. I think I think that's a moment where he should have been like, you know what? You know what's more important right now than taking a shot at the oppo- at, across the aisle is making sure that as many people as possible can hear this message. Mm-hmm. We use the word finesse a couple times in our Creed episode. I was like, damn, from day one. <laughs> from day one, because it's important. The finesse is important. Also, it- Creed... Great movie. I actually rewatched the first Creed uh, not too long ago. First, I love the first one. Yeah, I love the second one too. It was a solid sequel, but that's not yeah. what we're talking about. No, I mean I don't have a, a much more on this. I don't know how much you have. Overall, I I think we split our criticisms and what we liked pretty evenly. But like I said, the first half of this movie, I was all into it. I was loving it, and then the second half, I felt like it. You felt the length hardcore <laughs> like yeah. this definitely felt the longest a movie's felt this year for me and it meandered a lot and there's some things that again like i i just feel like they could have been done a little bit better to get the 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 most efficient outcome but i mean in general great cinematography great acting i think the dialogue's really good i just think it's a little predictable at times and i think it meanders quite a bit right on well do you have some tomato tomatoes for us i do and i don't know if you looked at these beforehand or not but i said out loud before i looked it up i was like guarantee you that this movie is going to be crazy divided and i was and then i looked it up and i was like yep that's exactly what it was uh tomato tomato the critics they're bringing this in at a 91 percent all right a minus minus. the audience they've got this at a 55 (laughs) percent Whoa, an F? Yeah, baby. <laughs> wow. That's that's, a, that's an A minus to an F. You know what that is? That is people who are the angriest have the loudest voices type thing. Like I was not surprised that it was divided. Like I expected it to be like I expected the critics to be where they are at. I thought I'm like low 90s is probably fair for this, you know, considering the craft behind it. And then I was like but I have a feeling the audience is going to be low 70s. And I saw it, I'm like, oh, man, it's at an F. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, if you think about it, like, that's like 50-50, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's your left and that's your right. But I wonder now that we've talked about it for 35 minutes, maybe if not having the MAGA statement, do you suspect that it might have been uh, less of an even split? That probably could have could have gone a long way. Things that I think could also potentially hurt it. I think the real images and how disturbing they are probably turned off a lot of people. Oh, okay. That's just me, but there's, again, there's a few that are in this that are real clips of people dying that really disturb me. And I I watch tons of messed up movies all the time, but I don't want to see real people die. Like, that's, I I think that's kind of fucked up, (laughs) honestly. So it's just like, like that, that messed me up. And then, I don't know if the ending of this movie is is all that satisfying. Like, I think it ends somewhat in a way that you would expect it to, but yeah. probably not the way that most people were rooting for it to end up when the movie starts. You know what I mean? Or at least the casual. Yeah, yeah I got you. All right. So. Well, on that note, I am going tomato because mm-hmm. this movie does not deserve a failing grade. This uh, This movie, for all the reasons we've already said, is is very well des- deserving of a viewing and i did grade it a little bit lower than the uh than the critics there they they went with a minus i gave it a b 
I gave it a B also. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I love when we, we got the same grade. Yeah. Yeah, tomato, and it's a B. Second half of this movie was, was just kind of tough to get through for me. Yeah, tell me about it. And uh, and not even for like those graphic reasons that we discussed, because that really doesn't bother me. I don't know if it should, but it doesn't doesn't have an effect on me like that. Now, if they were showing like a doctor giving somebody like a needle, that that freaks me out way more than like bodies getting blown up and stuff. Like gore doesn't do anything to me, but for some reason, like needles just I can't do it. Gore doesn't do anything for me either. I think it's just the fact that it's a real person that actually happened to them. Like just something just feels weird about that, that you used some real person's death in your movie. Yeah. When I got done watching, I was like, this deserves a good grade. Like I, I enjoyed it. Um, I knew though, I knew it was going to be divided. Didn't think it was going to be that far, but I knew it was not going to be, <laughs> I knew both parties weren't going to be high on it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I would suggest to the swampies do not, I repeat, do not read the audience reviews on this movie. Cause I am sure there's going to be a lot of hatred in those comments and that's not what we need right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So stay away from it. Honestly, for any movie, whether it's uh, political or social topics, even if it's just a goofy comedy, just don't read audience reviews because they're fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. they're horrible. Like I, I was reading audience reviews recently on on Midsummer, and I wanted to punch every face on the world. <laughs> like I was, I was gonna start with myself too. But audience reviews, like some people. Like you should get a license to have a computer or at least have internet access just based on stupidity. Like I I'm all for everyone has an opinion and you know, every opinion is valid, but some people can just be stupid and wrong. Like there is such thing as is wrong in terms of like when people are judging if something is good or not, like there has to be, there has to be rules to this. I Yeah, I think so. Yeah, like people are like, oh, I don't like this movie. It's stupid. Why? Why is it stupid? I didn't like it. Okay, but you said you didn't like it because it's stupid, but it's <laughs> stupid because you didn't like it. This is a chicken and egg thing. Like, that is not an actual opinion. That is not a real argument. What didn't you like? Oh, dude got a flopping dick in it. Because <laughs> that's what it is. I'm still on Midsummer right now. Yeah. There's no dicks in this movie. Yeah, I know. I know. That's the, that's the part that broke everybody in Midsummer is when his. Dick was flopping like fuck this. <laughs> yeah, I'm done, dude. Yeah, it, it's so infuriating. It's so infuriating. But you know what's not infuriating? Great segue. <laughs> Reading our reviews that the Swampies have left because we got a buttload of five star reviews and we love and appreciate every single one of them. But you know what? I'm a greedy little shit. I want more. Colin wants more. We. As a show, as a single unit, you, bro, we're a fucking unit. Yeah, we are a unit. <laughs> That's right. The but D our unit. unit, we really want five-star reviews on Apple. Yeah. I, I was actually thinking about this, and we haven't talked about this, but I think now is a good time to do it. I think we're going to do another t-shirt contest soon. We haven't officially announced that, but 
if you leave us a five-star written review on iTunes, you will be eligible for any contest we do going forward. So if you're listening to this and you're new to the show, if you leave us a five-star written review on iTunes, that'll qualify you for any giveaways we do. So that's right. And if you are a swampy who is already written a review, you're already entered. Yeah. It works out perfectly. More chances to mucho, mucho good shit. Yeah. The only people who are not still entered is anybody who has already won something. Yeah. If you won, you you can't, you can't win again. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Unless in the future we come up with a, uh, a different strategy for, for a giveaway, in which case then it's all bets are off. We're back at it again, but we haven't done a giveaway in a little while. I think we said the next one would be at a hundred, which is which is the longest stretch we've asked for. I think like our first one was like ten reviews, but then by the time we hit ten and re-recorded again, we were already at like twenty something. Yeah. And then we and then we went fifty. Yeah. So then we were just like, all right, well, I guess that's ten. Uh, <laughs> and then and then we pushed for fifty. We hit fifty. We're above fifty right now. Um, I don't know if a hundred is too hard of a goal for right now. I don't know, man. But if you guys can get us to a hundred, then fuck, maybe we'll make a really nice care package. Maybe just a little bit, something more than just a t-shirt, maybe throw in some extra goodies. Cause there's a lot of different goodies on two dudes, movie If you want to see our merch shop, a lot of new designs and stuff. So there's, there's options, baby. And if we can hit a hundred quick, I'm totally fine you know, dishing out some extra goods. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I would be really stoked if we hit, hit a hundred, we have an internal goal and that would get us closer to it. But I don't know. I, I just think you, you hit a hundred, hundreds of cool milestone for stuff like that. So I think maybe when we hit that, we can make a little announcement, do a giveaway or something like that. Yeah. It would be a, a real nice thing to do. And entering doesn't cost you any money. You just gotta give us five stars and say a little, Hey, these guys are cool type thing. Cost me my time. <laughs> well, I'm sure a lot of people have a lot of time on their hands these days. Better get to it before the quarantine ends. Exactly. Although by the time this episode comes out, every every state seems to be just like, fuck it, we're in phase four, open everything, even though cases are on the rise. Mm-hmm. Way to end on a positive note. <laughs> Uh, but you know what to do. Follow us on social media at Two Dudes Movie Reviews. We already plugged the website and where you can listen. Go check out our YouTube page. I know a lot of people like to listen to podcasts on YouTube, but also it's funny. We're plugging this and it's like, hey, go check out our YouTube. And it's like this episode probably won't be on our YouTube for like a month. Well, it might be longer than that. <laughs> we'll see. Might be longer. <laughs> well, I think once we're caught up with the YouTube channel, we'll start releasing the weekly episode just on a different day. So like if our regular episodes come out on Wednesday, then maybe on Friday or Saturday is when it hits YouTube. So yeah, if you want to listen to it first, you subscribe here, you you go to Spotify, you go to iTunes, you go to friggin, uh, the other ones, uh, Stitcher, (laughs) uh, Stitcher podcast.com tune in radio iHeartRadio. iHeartRadio. Yeah, there you All go. All that stuff. But yeah, you guys you guys friggin' get it. Or maybe you don't, you stupid swampies. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to tell. I've been I've been talking down to the swampies a lot lately, but I love you guys. We do. Undeniably. Yeah, we we love you guys. I shouldn't I shouldn't just make it about me. Yeah. Colin and I love you, but we're getting a divorce. Oh. <laughs> and on that this, note, this is news to me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, <laughs> suck it, Swampies.